Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Well, we're starting a new book today, uh, and it's the letter to a letter of Hebrews, the Epistle of Hebrews. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. This is a super deep, rich book. Do you guys like this logo? Uh, this was my wife's brainchild. Uh, Tori loves like that classic vintage. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so we're going to be looking at Hebrews. Hebrews is all about the supremacy of Christ. Um, it's about how Jesus is greater. Jesus is better than any of the Old Testament um, pictures or images uh, that we had or uh, placeholders in a sense. And so uh, it, it's, it's really rich and a lot of, it's best understood by really understanding the Old Testament. Um, but we're going to get into that. We're not going to go fast through Hebrews. We're going to spend our time to make sure we get it because I think there's some life-changing uh, principles and understanding that's really good. We'll get more into that in a second here, but let's read. Uh, we're going to be going through three verses this morning. We'll do an intro and three verses, and then um, we'll pick up with some of the bigger themes next week. So if you'd stand, that'd be great. If you can, if not, don't worry about it, but we're going to read verses one through three. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, uh, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning that we could come together, and we pray that you'd speak to us through your word, that we would, we would really get um, what you're trying for us to understand. We would you'd give us ears to hear, uh, eyes to see, hearts that are um, open and correctable and um, soft before you. And Lord, we pray that you would just, um, Lord, minister to, to each heart here, Meet us where we're at, Lord, and, and help us to be in awe of your, your grace and your, um, Lord, your, your love for us. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you guys may be seated. Uh, again, like I said, the, Hebrews is all about the supremacy of Christ. Uh, the authorship of Hebrews, we don't know. We don't know who wrote it. Uh, there, most people think it, it was probably Paul, but we're not really sure. It, you know, uh, there's a, kind of some reasons why it couldn't or could have not been Paul because uh, one, one of the messages Paul preached over and over again had to do with the fact that he was ministering to the Gentiles. And so he was made it really clear that Christ came uh, for those, uh, for the Gentiles, just as well as the Jews. And so there's no mention of that in this. Um, it's, it's Hebrew, so obviously it's written to a Jewish audience that really understood Old Testament imagery and tradition and, um, and the law in general. So uh, it, it's a little different. The writing style is a little different than I think the way Paul usually writes. Uh, so there's a lot of kind of thoughts on who the author could be. Um, it's believed it could be Apollos, could be Luke, because there's some um, similarities between the Gospel of Luke and Acts, Luke, the two books that Luke wrote in Hebrews. Uh, could be Barnabas. Um, some even believe it could have been uh, Clement of Rome. We don't know. We, just, we don't know because it just doesn't tell us. And so everything else is kind of like speculation. Uh, but yeah, uh, why, who was it written to and why it was clearly written to Jews. Um, it's most likely that it was written to the church in Jerusalem. That would make the most sense. Um, and uh, there's an expectation that they understood the Old Testament. That, and that there's uh, also expectation that they um, had, a, had their own history with the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Uh, because that's kind of the angle he's coming at it from, whoever's writing this. Um, and uh, there, there's also a 
likely there's a longing for the historical faith, the traditions, the way people have been brought up. Like, man, there's a, they were missing that in a sense. And so what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say is the thing that was is not nothing compared to the thing that now is. Jesus is just so much better than everything you knew before. Uh, so he's going to dive into a bunch of different touch points uh, of the Old Testament and, and, and he then can clearly articulate that Jesus is better than any of those examples. Um, so we're going to cover it. So here's some of the things that will be covered in, the, uh, in this letter. Jesus' supremacy over the prophets, over angels and the law, over Moses and the promised land, over the priesthood, uh, all the priests, and then over sacrifices in, in, in the Old Covenant. So all of those things pale in comparison to the person of Christ. So every section also has a warning. Um, after you get through a section of how Jesus is better than each of those groups, there's a warning that's like pretty scary. Um, that's one of the things I think people struggle with when they read uh, Hebrews. When they read through Hebrews, they look at it and they go, man, this, that's a gnarly warning. And it's meant to unsettle us. Uh, and, and just as we, we can look back at the Old Testament, we look at like uh, all the stories of when God would do something. And then you'd see the children of Israel abandon their faith. And they'd start, stop losing, they'd start losing hope in what God was doing. There's something uh, that we look at, and we look at it, and we go, man, this is just, what are you thinking? What on earth are you thinking doing something like that? How could you possibly, uh, you know, turn from that? He's like saying, if, if you're blown away by that, how much worse is it for you who've received the culmination, the promise, the long-awaited Messiah? Man, it's so much worse for you to abandon your faith to not enter into what you've been called into. So there's a real sobering aspect to it. I think Hebrews is a book that calls us to being pretty serious about our faith and the benefits of doing so. So yeah, it's a rich book. There's a lot going on. Um, and I think it can blow our minds in seeing uh, the greatness of God and the person of Jesus. So again, we're not going to rush it. It's too good. So we're going to take our time. Okay. Sound good? Sweet. Uh, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Um, note, it is God who was chosen to speak. What do you know about someone who speaks? They are making themselves known. One of the ways you get, you know, with youth, we do this thing with the youth where we say, give me your, your, the, the worst part, highs and lows of the week. Tell me the best thing that's happened and the worst thing that's happened this week. And it kind of gets them to, to talk, right? It's, like, it's a way to get into their lives. Because once you get someone talking, you start understanding who they are, what they're about, and you, they start to give you a little bit of their soul, part of who they are. And so when God is speaking to us, it is with the intent that he's making himself known. Andrew Murray said, speaking is a vehicle to fellowship. As we speak, we can get fellowships, like the idea of as we're vulnerable, honest, and real with one another, then we enjoy fellowship. We get like there's a, a depth of a relationship that comes out of speaking to one another. That's why we put such a high regard on communication, right? For those who are married, is communication important? Yes, right? How often are the, the the biggest fights and the biggest issues come down to the fact that you just did not communicate or you did not communicate clearly. So communication is key, but it's done through speaking. There's nonverbal communication, but that's usually when you're already in trouble or about to be, right? So speaking is a primary way of letting yourself be known, bearing in a sense your soul. So it's God who at various times has, has been speaking. Now, in the past, he was spe speaking to the fathers, the, this would be those before them, through what? The prophets. So the prophets, he would make himself known through the prophets uh, by men, or God would speak to men by men. And that was the way that he would do it. And it was, it was effective. 
uh, it worked, right? And he also spoke through a variety of ways through the prophets. And that's what we have. You look through the Old Testament and you see all kinds of different types of literature. If you really want to understand the Bible, you've got to read the, the literature with the eyes of what kind of literature you're reading, right? So there's poetry, right? There's, there's apocalyptic literature. Uh, there's stories. There's history. And God speaks through his prophets through all these different ways. And, and, and the idea is so that we can understand who he is through kind of like a 3D perspective. It's like every part of us is, is kind of brought in to this. And so he does that. He uses images. He uses prophets. He uses images. He uses visions. Like think about some of the like things that Isaiah was, saw and all the different stuff going on in, in the actual prophets. Uh, think about family situations. Hosea, that's like a family, a pretty gnarly family situation in which God is speaking to us in a way that we can understand. We also know Jesus loves stories, right? That's the whole idea of parables. I think stories are important. They capture. They capture us and they, they can bring us in and help us to see things in a way that we maybe didn't expect. Sometimes stories are able to get behind the firewall of our hearts, and so God speaks through a variety of different ways through these men he called prophets. And so it was useful, it was effective, but it was not perfect. And it pointed to a better solution. That this is, this is it works for the time being. It's certainly better than nothing. God is still doing what he wants to do at this moment in time. But there's something better coming. So the supremacy of Christ, the first thing we're going to look at is how, how better he is than the, 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 his coming to, to uh, you know, become a man and live amongst us. And then to die and then to rise again and then to ascend into heaven. How much better having him come was than the prophets. So... God spoke in times past through the prophets, but in verse 2 it says, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So in the last days, that's the, the present era that he's in, and in continued we're in, it started with the coming of Christ and then into the church age which we're now living in. Right, where we're between when Jesus comes, came, and then when he's going to come again. So we're, th that whole time is considered the last days. So we're all in the midst of the last days. So when you see um, you know, the first, first church talking about the last days, it's the same thing. They're looking at the last days, so are we. We're all in the process of the last days. Uh, Jesus has come. That part has been fulfilled. Thank God for that. And, and yet, and yet, we're still living in a world with sin and death and pain. Amen? So we feel that. And it burdens us and it hurts us. And, and, it, and it grieves us. There's been a lot of pain in our, even in our church family in the last couple months. And it's just like the hits, they hurt. You know, like, man. This is, and you don't have to tell people who are going through that, that this is not all right. Not everything is right. And if you're brave enough to turn on the news, or I don't know, something enough, you know, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you turn on the news and you look at the, the world around us and you go, man, what are we doing? What a mess. So we recognize that Jesus came and that's such a beautiful thing. We talked about this a lot during the Christmas season. But we realize he hasn't come back and made all things right either. So that's these end days. He has spoken to us by his son. So when God used to speak, he was speaking through prophets, two men in a limited context at a time. So now we have Jesus as the spokesperson. That alone is, the, is far superior. Right? If you hear a story told by someone who wasn't actually there, and then the person who's actually there, how does that go usually, right? Oh, let me tell you, I heard this story. You're like, listen, no, 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 no. That is not what happened. That was not there. That was actually there. I, was ha I, I saw it for myself, you know. And so there's like, a, there's like an, uh, uh, 
and it's not like they're meaning it in a bad way, but there's just a limited view of it. And that's not to say the prophets spoke, misspoke. They didn't. But they were missing the depth that they could possibly have. They couldn't have what Christ had. And we're going to see why. So in these last days, spoken to us by his son. So this is Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Ruler of all. Over all. So we have Christ supreme to all, over all, covering all. How could they possibly speak like him? This is God's great love story towards us, through whom also he made the world. So now we have this heir of Christ, Christ who is the heir of all, and then Romans 8, 16, and 17 also bears witness that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, uh, that we may also be glorified together. We are now part of that. So not only did Jesus come and deliver a message and, sh- and show us that he reigns and rules, he's now given us authority to live in that same kind of a place. Not like it's authority in and of ourselves, but he's called out his children, the body, to follow the head, which is Christ, and make be witnesses everywhere you go. That's why we, we use the verbiage of outposts of heaven. That everywhere we go, we bring heaven with us. We bring the, the kingdom with us. We live differently. We look like Jesus. We're his hands and his feet that are ministering to the world around us. So we have Christ, who's the heir of all. He, he's got authority. He's been given the ability to rule and subdue, just like Adam did. We're now given that place as well in Christ. Now, not, not outside of Christ, not without Christ, in Christ. And what's so beautiful about this is, is the more that we find ourselves in Christ, the more we find ourselves, which is the thing everyone's looking for, right? I'm just trying to find myself. And, and, and it's worth repeating, do we not see an identity crisis in our world today? People just don't know who they are. And, and it's easy to mock them trying to figure it out, but I think there's actually a deeper issue there that that's, they just literally don't know, so they're grasping at straws, and the straws are insane, some of them. But it's, it just shows where we're really at. I can't find what I'm looking for. I can't get it. I don't know who I am. And so we find our purpose and our motivation and our hope in Christ. And as we get that, as we understand that, our lives are transformed from the inside out. And then we find out who we really are because we know who we are in Christ. Now that is the the perfection of what you could possibly be on earth is to be completely in Christ. This is who you are to be. This is the matured version of you. That's the perfected idea. Matured. Complete. You're, you, you are what you are supposed to be. That's matured. You're a child, and then you mature, and you become bigger and stronger and, and more uh, capable of doing what you are reaching the highest of your capacity. That's what we get in Christ. So the world looking around for, like, identity, they're asking the question, who am I? Who am I? And we go, no, don't, don't ask that. Don't ask that. Don't ask that. It's actually not a bad question to ask. If it leads you to the right position, and we as Christians should be the first ones to be able to go, I know how you find your answer. <laughs> of course, we have to experience that first. So we find out who we are in Christ, and we're, we're, uh, he's, he's shaping and molding us. And then he gives us this, um, you know, jobs to do. He calls us then to be part of the ministry that he's doing throughout the world. Now you are co-heirs with Christ. So uh, important for us to understand, first of all, Christ came. He rules. Even though it maybe looks like uh, the devil is reigning and ruling, he's really not. You know, he's doing what he's doing, and there's a, there's a season for this, and we know there's an end in mind because God is the one that is over it all. And so we, we remember that, that we have, uh, rule and reign in Christ. Then it says this, through whom also he made the worlds. John 1, 1 through 5. We just did this with the youth on Friday. In the beginning was the Word. Capital W, Word, is Jesus, Right? 
Lowercase w is the word, we, the Bible, the scriptures, right? Capital W, Jesus. In the word, and it's clear in the definition or in the, in the text here, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So that's in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In him was life. So we see through Christ, he's above and beyond before all things. And so he's got reign over the beginning to the end. So man, that is really reassuring. And this shows it's all about, if we can understand the supremacy of Christ, then everything else in life kind of lines up. Because whether we could say whatever we want to say, but our values will be shown in the way that we live, right? The thing that's the most important to you or the thing that you think is, is uh, the, you know, the, the one thing that you do anything to protect, that is your God. And so what we're trying to look at is how much greater Jesus is than any other thing you could possibly put in that category. And he's probably, even if you say it's Jesus, he's probably even greater than you think he is. So it's a, with the expanded view of how big and cool God is, it helps us to understand like, man, how much richer a life we can have in him and how much better it is to be with him and then to serve him and it, of course then it motivates things like evangelism if you really believe that jesus is that good you probably want to share that right I, I, when i find something i really like i like want to share it with people especially if you know it's something that they would like um so like that was that was a Dave's Hot Chicken, right, Jeremy? It's like, dude, I had Dave's Hot Chicken, man. Have you ever had this place? Oh, man, it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, he's texting me pictures of him at Dave's Hot Chicken. I'm like, yes. And then you, you took over, man. I was like the like, small guy on that. And he also can do the Reapers like it's nothing, which is crazy. But now, now all of a sudden, it's Hot Chicken, dude. Oh, guess what else is opening up? And you get excited. You know what's kind of a bummer is when you share it with somebody, and they're like, who cares, you know? I, I don't have, to, I, there's a KFC down the street. You're like, no, man, this is Dave's Hot Chicken. It's so much better than that. This message was not sponsored by Dave's Hot Chicken. But when you get excited about something, you really want to share it. And so uh, I think we can all do well by becoming more excited about who Jesus is. And how does that take place? By him, uh, by our, our minds being blown by who he is and then experiencing more because we now believe that he can do more. And so we now trust him more with our lives. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, all the other stuff you think you have to do as a Christian becomes really simple. You go, okay, man, oh man, I'm, I'm such a bad Christian. I, I, I jumped on the reading plan three days later, I'm, I can't do it, man. I just, ah. Oh. Or I, oh man, I, I try to pray and I just can't get a good active prayer life or, you know, whatever. Or, and by the way, we've all been there and are there at many times. But tell me, does it make a difference when you see God do something, when you believe that there's something happening, like a real thing happening when you pray, like that there's a real thing happening when you read the word and then all of a sudden you have an answer for someone that you run into later that day? When you are blown away by every time you read it, it's like the, your eyes are open and you're like, oh my goodness, how good is this? When you see someone come to, to the knowledge of, uh, of Christ and, and receive salvation and then watch a life radically transformed, what does that do for you? Tell you what, it doesn't make it so mundane when you're praying or sharing. I, I, you know, it's like, oh, this is the Christian thing to do. I'll go share the, share the word. You know, it's like, don't do it like that. You're not really saying it's very good. Because you imagine if I use the Dave Hot's, Dave's Hot Chicken thing, I'm not putting it on the level with the gospel, guys, okay? Trust me, but I'm using it as an example. But it is good. Where I'm like, hey, there's this new place that opened up. It's Dave's Hot Chicken. You should think about trying it. You're like, oh, have you? Is it good? 
I think so. <laughs> seems, seems, people have told me it's good. And you're like, uh, okay, maybe. But if you reach out to someone and you say, dude, the sauce is so good. <laughs> the, the heat's just right. The fries are so good. You've got to try this. You've, dude, you've got to try it. Here, let's find a map right now. And let's see what the closest location is. And I'm going to take you with me. And we're going to experience this together. Right? Okay. Amen. I, right? At the conference, I got to take Troy and Billy. <laughs> so we actually got to experience that, right? So, um, and then you go, wow, that's really good. That's, that's the difference. That's the excitement, but that's when we're, our, our, our eyes are open and we can see Christ as supreme. Rather than, oh, I mean, I just don't think I'm really measuring up. I think it's because we just don't see Christ like we should. So Hebrews is going to open our eyes to this. There's almost no way around it. And it's also going to confront us when we don't, which I think is really important. One of the things that I think is, is really detrimental to society right now, there's a lot of issues. Some of them, I think, are, are um, more common than we think. They just have taken on a different viewpoint. But one of the biggest issues is, is removing people from your life that say hard things to you or that you disagree with. That's one of the beautiful things about staying with a church that maybe you don't even have or you have like an issue with someone in and not just being like, oh, I'm out of here. No, no, stay. This is the family. You work it out. You know, you, you, you work it out. You, stro- you, you get through it together. You know, and guess what? Every time, tell me, let me ask you this. When you have an issue or when something comes up that's hard to deal with, what does that do to you when you actually deal with it? it you find out more about yourself because we always think we're good. We're not the problem. How can that possibly be? Everyone is the problem but me. And you start to realize that. You go, you see people and they show up and they're like, I was at this place. And then, oh, the, you know, the people there are just like this. And, and, then, and then we went to this one and those people were like this. And then uh, my family, don't get me started. They're like this. And then my kids, oh, they're like this. And you're going like, you, have you looked in a mirror or like, do you know what you're doing? But then you start seeing it in yourself. Sometimes you start thinking, oh, I know, oh, I know, I know. We, we, can, be, we can be so deceived. And so we've got to have our eyes open to where God is calling us and confronting us and ting, 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 ting. If you can hear, listen, those who have ears hear. If, if this is something that can reach out to you, man, I would pay attention if I was you. This can change your life, or you can start get, you can become more and more hardened. You can uh, make an echo chamber surrounding you of everyone who agrees with you and everyone who thinks just like you, and you only follow accounts that, that think exactly like you, and you never have a conversation with anyone, and you just go, oh, you can't even talk to those kind of people. The only people that Jesus saves are the messy, messed up ones. There's no one that's like shows up and they've got it all together. And he's like, oh, thank goodness. I didn't have to die for you. Welcome to the team. You're, you're, oh, finally, I have a, someone who is with me and gets it. You see all these knuckleheads? No, we're all, there's only one kind of Christian. And it's the messy kind. And so that we recognize that in ourselves, we start taking ourselves a little bit less seriously. And we realize, uh, there, you, and just assume this, there are blind spots and deceptions in your life right now. There are things you do not see right. And there are things that you wish you would have done better, and now you've protected yourself by telling yourself, oh, it was because of something they did anyway. We've got to be real before the Lord. If we're honest and we confess our sins before him, he forgives us. But this, is, this book is going to challenge us in a really good way, both to see Jesus supreme, higher than we've ever seen him before, richer, deeper, greater than anything we could ever imagine. Help us to see there's nothing to go back to. That's part of it. Because that's, that's I, I believe, that's what a lot of this is dealing with. You, you guys miss some of the old stuff. You're going back to the old stuff. Let me encourage you. There's nothing there for you. Don't try to go back. You, try to, you ever try to go back to high school like four years later and be cool again? Could you imagine? 
You're just like, man, those are the best years of my life. I was the coolest kid on campus. I was the toughest guy. Now imagine how I'd be now. I'm 22. You walk up to see some freshmen, poof, throw them into a locker. Freshmen, you're like, brother, that's assault. Do you know how old you are? You need to get out of here. You're like a loser, man. Go. You don't need to be at every game with your Leatherman jacket on. The time has passed. Grow up, my friend. Right? So you get the idea of there's, there's, that's not what you thought it was. Whatever it was, you go, okay, there's some, some bright spots. By the way, you always remember it better than it actually was, right? We know this. I, you know what I found this out most with was candy. Try to eat the old candy you used to eat, and you're like, ugh, I think I just got a filling, you know? Like, I mean, I, I mean a cavity by looking at an Abba Zabba. You guys remember Abba Zabba? Big hunk. Anyway, what, what is that? Anyway. But there's, there's nothing, it's, it's, it, and so the writer of Hebrews is letting us know there's, there's nothing to go back to. The thing that you've been given is infinitely better than what you had. That was a shadow. This is the real thing. And boy, do we need to remember that. Because sometimes you go, oh, I kind of go back. Oh, I kind of think about it. Oh, I kind of did. doesn't mean that you lose your identity. You know, it doesn't mean that you're like, you know, who you are and the things that you like. That doesn't mean that. It just means that your identity is, is, is uh, foundationally rooted in Christ and everything else is secondary. That's what it comes down to. So I, I, some of you guys saw Instagram. Brad and I started a podcast. The idea is reaching out to subcultures, people who are hurting, especially the young, people we see that are like us. And so that's, that was our heart. It's not like for any other thing, but to reach out to people and go, hey, you might like this kind of music. Hey, you might like skating. Hey, you might like all these different things. There's nothing wrong with those things. What's, what is where things do get messy is when that becomes your identity over Christ. They, things also get messy when you think you have to become a clone to become a Christian. No, let Christ be the foundation of your life and then have all the creativity that will be, should be magnified in Christ. Let that flow out of your life by the way you live and the way you live. Gosh, man, that's so much better. That's good news because you were created as a masterpiece. Ephesians uh, 2.10, right? Where's this, is, where this masterpiece, this poema created for good works. We should walk in them. God has made you the way he's made you, but you will never find full fulfillment outside of God. So the idea that we'll find ourselves, we'll be more ourselves without Christ is, it is not working. Not only is it something we know isn't, doesn't work, it's not working. And I think that there's, there could potentially be revival coming because people are, are getting to the end of themselves and going like, there's actually some trends I saw Barna that that Gen Z is coming back to church. <laughs> like especially because uh, their parents, a lot of their parents have gone so the other way. They're like, "Oh, you guys are not going to church? What's over at church anyway? Maybe there's something uh, over there that I actually would like." That's just kind of funny, right? Anything to bum your parents out, you know? You go to church? Well, I'm not going to go to church. Oh, you don't go to church? Well, maybe there is something at church that I should check out. I don't know, whatever. But with, this is the idea. God came and became, the word became flesh. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He created it, everything in him was life. So if we're looking for life, it's found in Jesus. If you want to know what life is, it's found in Jesus. Anything else you find is a lesser version and a, and a counterfeit version of life. So this is the real thing is found in Christ. And, and the light shines in the darkness. In him was life, in him was the light, and it was the light of men. The life that's in him is now the light of men. So when we say we're light bearers, it is the fact that Jesus lives in us. It's not so much the fact that we try to, always try to do the, the nicest, the best thing, although it does take effort, for sure. But if Christ isn't living in us, we're promoting a sense of legalism. Moral, morals, which aren't bad, but they're not light. 
Jesus living in us is light because we're ambassadors, we're co-heirs, we, are, we, we bring it everywhere we go, the presence of God, because he's living in us. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. Then the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, uh, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. So now when we look at Jesus, we see the glory of God. We see the glory of God. We beheld the glory, the superiority of Christ over all other prophets. That's Jesus. Now, verse 3 who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he is the expression of the glory of God. He is the glory of God, being the brightness of his glory. That's like the, the full expression, the express image of his person. Man, what does God, so you ask the question, what does God look like? Jesus. Because there's a lot of times there's this false idea. We talked about this at youth on, on Friday. Like, what do you picture when you think about Jesus? Just the sweetest guy, right? Hippie kind of with a robe. He's putting flowers in people's hair and, you know, it's like, ah, hey, everyone, I'm here, you know. Let me help you out. Let me hook you up. We kind of have like, that's like the whatever, like every, that's the view of Jesus. Oh, he's, he's cool with everything. He's good with everything, which is not true. Jesus was hard, by the way. He was super tough and he called people out constantly. And then when we think about God and we like think of like this, this I think, because the kid, I asked them what the kids thought and they had very different ideas. But I, I grew up thinking about like this, you know, big, you know, brooding guy with a white beard, you know. <laughs> and I, I had the idea of like he's like shooting lightning. It's like some sort of like Greek god, you know, mixed in with Father Time thing. And it's like, oh, God is, the Father is angry. And Jesus is kind of like, Dad, it's okay. I'm going to deal with this. I got it. Okay. Like, don't be mad. If you're mad, be mad at me. Like it's some sort of weird relationship. No, Jesus is God. He is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1:15 through 18. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He's the image of the invisible God. What do we know by looking at, what do we know about God by looking at Jesus? Incredible humility. Love that is defined by the life of Jesus. Mercy, grace. And at the same time, we see clear instruction in truth. We see, we see uh, you know, that Jesus was not very, like all over the place with things. He knew exactly who he was. And he spoke with one that had authority. He was not wishy-washy. That's one of the things they said about him. They marveled seeing as he had spoke as one who had authority. So that even the authorities, the experts at the time were like baffled. They didn't know what to do with him. I think that's why they ended up killing him. Because he made him look stupid so many times. You want to see someone lash out? Say something that makes him look dumb. By the way, don't do that. If you don't try to make someone lash out, you know, but that, because we're doing it probably for the wrong reason in that sense. But Jesus, he was so good at, especially the religious leaders of the time who were using the old covenant and they were twisting it up. He said, look, the thing you've been looking for is fulfilled right in front of you. Here I am. So what do we know about God in the Old Testament? He could not be seen, right? It was, there was like major consequences for trying to see God. He was too holy, too pure. And so there was this major separation since the fall. And it's, and it's devastated humanity because it's what we were absolutely created to do. 
And so whether we know it or not, this is, again, part of that thing why we find our life in Christ, in nothing else. So there's nothing else we, we will be able to find our life, uh, who we are, what we were created for, our most creative selves, our most uh, valuable self will only be found in Christ. Because that's what you were created ultimately to have a foundation that was meant with man dwelling with God. God dwelling with man. Being together. That is your, the, the, the base uh, thing that we desire and, and need in our lives. Whether we know it or not. And, and it's actually pretty obvious because you see anyone who doesn't have it is trying to fill it with any other thing. What's sad is when you see Christians have it but decide to not rest in that or join in that, so they still try to fill it with other things, and it doesn't work. And it's such a sad story and such a sad situation because we've been now given access. Back in, back in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, there was no access like that. It was very limited, and it was, it was, again, a shadow of what was to come. Now, we are yet again in the garden-like situation in the sense that we have communion with God. We can walk with God. We have access to God. We're going to learn more about that access as we get into Hebrews, more. Because we're going to see the superiority of Christ as the priest. He's the high priest. Greater than, he's not of Aaron. He's of greater than Melchizedek. A different kind of priest. And so we have access to this priest who, what do we see here at the end? Purged himself. When he had by, a, by himself purged our sins. And then he sat down on the right hand of majesty. So he's holding it all together. Right? The express image of the person of God. Who, uh, and upholding all things by the word of his power. You want to you have your mind blown? Rem- remember again the fact that Jesus was part of the creation account where things were spoken into existence. You know, throw your problems at that. That God can speak things into existence like the world. Like the, like the universe. What? And so he's also holding everything together. Well, it's, it's wild. The more that we figure out scientifically, the more we realize how razor thin of a margin we all are here. A little bit closer to the sun, problem. A little further away from the sun, problem. We're, we're, I mean, it is, it is pretty razor thin. And the way the earth, everything, it's like the universe is like this beautiful symphony. Things are spinning, and they're all spinning around each other, all in perfect timing. It's just, it's beautiful. Just the right amount of gravity, just the right amount. Of, it's like God is just so set it all up, and now he's holding all things together. Man, that should help us with the chaos that we're living in in the world when we're looking around at us and we see chaos. We go, you know what, God, you are still, you're still withholding evil at times. You're, you're still in charge. And so there's like a, a part of that where you go, yeah, my dad's got this. I, lo- I think that's the idea is when Jesus said, you got to come like a child before me you got to come to me like a child or like has like an innocence of faith that believes me that that like the kids who still think my dad's the strongest guy in the world he could he could do anything he could probably run through that wall right there you know so we have that that is how he wants us to come before him like god you got this this is not a problem for you because we remember who you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature, can add one day to his life. We talked about that again during Advent. Like, God's like, hey, man, I'm going to give you a 10 extra years because of all the worrying you did. I'm so proud of you. Well done. You worried so much, and it was awesome. You know, he's like, no, man, why didn't you? Why? Did you not think I had you? Do you not think I, I, could, I could do this? I could help you? It's like when your kids are on the monkey bars and, and they're stuck and they're like, ah, you know, <laughs> went up too high, got stuck, holding on with a death grip. And you're like, just drop. I got you. And they're like, no, what will happen? And you're like, I will catch you. And they let go and you catch them. Oh, <laughs> God, you got it, right? So he spoke the world in, or, so yeah, so he's the express image of God. He's upholding all things, or he created all things. He's upholding all things. He's keeping it all together by the word of his power. 
And then he, has pur- he himself has purged our sins. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to deal with the sin issue. And it was a major issue. And if we don't want to talk about that, that's highly problematic. Because it's the thing that's holding us back. So we go, oh, I don't want to deal with sin. Oh, I don't want you to even call it sin. You're like, no, but there's good news. You can be freed from this sin. So Jesus, he came. You want to know what God is like? He sent his son with the purpose of dealing with our sin problem that we created, that we have now made 10 times worse. He sent his son to deal with that. And now is sitting at the right hand uh, of, of the father of majesty on high. That's the priestly thing. So we have, when we're looking at Jesus, the superiority, the supremacy of Christ, we see that, that he came and he died, he rose again, gave us this new life in Christ, took on all of our sins, all of our shame. We have access again, and now we have this high priest that's right there just ministering, uh, praying, praying for us, interceding for us. Our access is secure again before the Father. We have a compassionate high priest. He sympathizes with us. He ushers us in, and he intercedes on our behalf. There's nothing to go back to. There's nothing over there. I mean, we can look back with a little bit of clarity in 2020 vision. Like, do you really want to go back to the Old Testament? Old covenant ways of doing things? No. I know you had traditions. I know you remember, you know, the first time you did this or did that or whatever. It's like, that's nothing compared to what you have now in Christ. So leave the past behind and now move forward following Jesus. There's nothing here for you. Everything you you could possibly imagine is infinitely better in Christ. All the things you're looking for and the things the world has to offer, all the the major vices the world has to offer, right? Riches, drugs, sex, all of those things. They're all identity issues. They're all uh, intimacy issues. They're all like knowing your place. Who am I? How do I become important? Jesus already gave you purpose. He already gave you hope. He already gave you identity in him. He already gave you worth. It's all found in him. So no matter where you're coming from, it doesn't matter. Jesus meets you right there and says, the things you're struggling with, the things you don't think you're not good enough at, the things you think you don't have enough of, they're found in me. So, so come and, and fill yourself with the source of the thing that you've been longing for and trying to fit the square pegs in the round hole. It's all found in Christ. There's nothing to go back to. So I titled the message, No Turning Back, right? The, 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 uh, the, it's Hebrews, the, the overarching theme or the, the title of the whole book or the, the series we're going to be going through, Supremacy of Christ in this message, No Turning Back. And that's going to be something we revisit over and over again. There is no turning back. And we're going to see just how ridiculous the old was compared to the new. It's one of the things I love watching shows like makeover shows, like home makeover shows. Or, or like something like Biggest Loser or whatever. Something like that, right? And, and you don't fully get it until you see the old next to the new. Where you see, this is what it was, this is what it is. Because when you're in the process, it's like, I don't even know what's going on. It's messy, it's crazy. I'm having to, everything's having to be upended in my life. We're, we're removing a wall from my house? I, I remember that wall. I, I would, you know, write how tall my kids were on that wall. Well, guess what? It's an open floor plan. You're going to love it. And now the, the wall's been removed, and you go, ah, you removed the wall, and it was a load-bearing wall. Don't worry. We have a plan for that. There's a beam going in. Great. And how much, well, what is that going to mean? How much more time is that going to take? Oh, by the way, when you remove the wall, you messed up the floor. There's nothing there. What a mess. Can I just go back to the house the way it was? No, you're not going to want to go back to the house the way it was. 
I know it might seem like overwhelming right now because everything in your life has been completely uprooted and turned around, but we're rooting out or taking out all the stuff that's, that's no good and it's destroying you. And, and just wait. At the end of it, you look and you go, wow, what a difference. And no one at the end is going, kind of miss the old house. I miss that carpet, you know, that, was, that had mold in it or whatever, you know. I miss that wall that, you know, whatever would get in the way of everything. No one, th- no one says that when it's all said and done. That's such a small thing. It's a house. The workout shows. No one says, man, I wish I would have just eaten that fried chicken instead that day. I wish I would have had Dave's hot chicken instead of the veggies that helped me lose my 70 pounds or whatever. No, they're not saying anything about what they wish they, they, what they missed. Oh, I wish I would have just gone back and just lived the way I lived before. No way. Even though it cost something, it was so much greater on that side. These are nothing in comparison to the superiority of knowing Christ and letting him change and, and, and uproot and restore and bring just ah, the essence of who you are out of you found in him. So there's nothing more valuable that we could put our attention towards. There's nothing more um, advantageous that we, that we could uh, go after than, than this. Really trying to find out how big and good he is. By the way, you never will. That's the beautiful thing. This is an inexhaustible thing. The, something that's inexhaustible is something that's worthy of worship. Everything else has a beginning and an end. And as we do that, we're, our lives are transformed. We're being renewed. We're, we're getting hope. We, we read the Bible because we love Jesus. We love God. We read the Bible because we, we want to hear from him. We know he's actively present and wants to work in our lives. We pray because we believe prayers matter. We pray because we believe that God actually does something when we do pray. We are around each other in fellowship because we believe that God placed value on it and that it's important to be here. Church, we show up on Sunday mornings not because it's convenient, not because we hate sleeping in, but because there's value of being in the community of believers that are all going the same direction, know what we believe and why we believe it. This is why we do these things. And then the fruit of that understanding and the results that that come out of that kind of disciplined life that's based on things we believe will work, it will blow our minds. And if you could do a snapshot of day one to year 50 of walking with Christ, it should be dramatic. And it should be, there should be nothing left in us going, man, I kind of wish I would have held on longer before I started following Christ. Does anybody feel that way? I wish I would have lived in the world a little bit longer. Let me tell you, if you're feeling that way, then you don't know how good Jesus is. And you don't know how bad you are. (laughs) There's nothing to go back to. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.